Hello. Welcome to the Myths and Legends of Europe podcast, and thank you for joining me as we journey on a new adventure into the world of Norse mythology. The Myths of the Norse. Chapter 1. In the Beginning. The cosmos which exists within Norse mythology is complicated. There are many mentions of nine worlds, but the sources differ on exactly what these nine worlds were. The creation myth is both simple and slightly bizarre, and many of the worlds seem to come into being without actually having a story associated with their creation. In this first chapter, I will try to tell the story of the creation and the origins of the gods in as coherent a way as possible. So, here we go. In the beginning, there was nothing. And then there was something. How nothing became something is not known. Maybe there was a big bang. The first something was a world called Muspelheim, which was hot and burning with flames. At the far end of the land lived Surt. He was a fire giant, and he sat there, in Muspelheim, brandishing a flaming sword, waiting for his chance to go into battle at the end of the world. And then, far away from this world of fire, there was another world. It was called Niflheim, and it was entirely the opposite of Muspelheim. It was covered with snow and ice, and was as cold as cold can be. At its heart was a spring called Hvegelmir, which was the source of eleven rivers, with evocative names having meanings such as bubbling cauldron, battle-defiant, fast as lightning, and the quite marvellous open void. Muspelheim was in the far south, and Niflheim in the far north. Between them there was nothing, and that nothing was called Ginungagap. The eleven rivers filled the void with their yeasty venom. It seems that ancient Norse mythical rivers were filled with far more deadly flows than simple water. Soon the northern part of Ginungagap was filled with ice as the river's content solidified in the cold emanating from Niflheim. At the same time, the southern end, close to Muspelheim, warmed until it was molten and glowing from sparks and embers. The middle part of what used to be a void became temperate and mild. Where the icy part and the hot part met, life appeared. Life, that is, in the form of a frost giant. This giant was named Emir. From him were descended a whole race of frost giants. Some of the frost and ice thawed, but the fluids took on a quite unusual form. It solidified into the form of a cow, called Audumla. Milk flowed from her udders, forming four rivers, and from these milky streams, Emir fed. Audumla didn't appear to need this amount of sustenance, and she survived by licking the blocks of ice. But the survival of Aldumla was not the only consequence of this ice licking. By the end of her first day of existence, she'd licked enough ice to reveal there was something buried there in the vast expanse of cold. The hair of a man was revealed. At the end of the second day, a whole head was visible, and by the end of the third, an entire man. He was called Buri, and he was strong, tall, and very good-looking. In no time he'd found himself a wife from the race of giants and had himself a son called Bor. Bor too found a wife called Bestel, and they had three children, all sons. The second and third sons will not spark much recognition among many of you. They were named Vili and Vey. The first, though, everyone has heard of. His name was Odin. The sons of Bor were somewhat perturbed that they were sharing Ginungagap with a large and inherently frightening frost giant, and they decided he had to go. 
and so they killed him. Emir was so large that his spilled blood drowned the rest of the race of frost giants, except one named Burgelmir and his wife. These two climbed up onto a wooden box and kept themselves safe. One wonders about the sanity of the rest of their race who didn't take this seemingly simple precaution. Anyway, Burgelmir and his unnamed spouse were the parents of a second race of frost giants. Odin and his brothers used the body of Emir to make the worlds in which the men, gods and creatures would live. They took the slain giant to the middle of Ginungagap. From his remaining blood they created the sea. From his bones they made mountains. From his teeth and jaw they made rocks and pebbles. They created a world for the races of giants to live on, called Jotunheim, and at the centre they formed another world, around which they constructed a wall. This was the place on which they would allow men and women to live. It was called Mythgard. From the brains of the dead frost giant, the brothers fashioned clouds. In the remaining flesh of Ymir, maggots came to life. Before long, they had turned into dwarfs. These creatures were given human understanding and the appearance of men. They lived in the earth and the rocks. Modsognir was the most famous of the dwarfs, and then came Durin. Eventually the dwarfs came to inhabit their own homeland, called Nidavalir. The sons of Bor took Ymir's skull, and from it created the sky. A dwarf was placed at each corner to hold up the sky, one at each of the compass points, north, south, east and west. Embers became stars, adorning the sky. Odin, Vili and Ve were pleased with their work, but there was something missing. They'd created a world for men, but not its inhabitants. What was the point of a homeland for men and no men to fill it? This problem was solved when they were wandering along the seashore. They came upon two pieces of driftwood, one made of elm and the other of ash. From these two pieces of wood they created the first man and woman. The man, made from the piece of ash, was called Ask. The woman, fashioned from the elm, was called Embla. The three brothers each gave the new humans gifts. Odin gave them the spirit of life from his breath. Vili gave them a beating heart, intelligence and sharp wits, and the ability to move. Ve allowed them to see and hear. From these two humans were descended the race of men, and they lived behind Mithgard's wall. Having created the place for the men, and the men for the place, the sons of Bor built a stronghold for themselves. The race of gods was to be known as the Aesir, and their home was called Asgard. Also created, although nobody knows when, how or by whom, was another place for another race of gods. They were known as the Vanir, and their home was Varnaheim. Up in Asgard, Odin sat on his high seat in a place called Hlidskjalf. From there he could see the whole world. Everything he saw he tried to understand, and most of it he understood. That which he didn't understand he vowed to investigate. Much of his time would be spent searching for wisdom. In Jotunland, a giant called Narfi had a daughter called Night. She was dark of complexion. She married Nagflari, and they had a son called Aud. Then she married Anar, and their child, a daughter, was called Earth. Her third marriage was to Deling, and they had a son called Day. He was bright and beautiful. Odin saw these descendants of Narfi and found that he had a use for them. He wanted Earth for himself and they had a son. He was named Thor. Odin took Night and her son Day and gave them chariots and horses. 
Knight's horse was called Hrimfaxi, which means frost mane. Day's steed was called Shinfaxi, which means shining mane. They each rode around the sky every 24 hours. Shining mane lit up the sky for men to live by when day rode him. Hrimfaxi dribbled foam from his bit onto the ground each night, forming a coating of dew on the grass. There was a man, one of the early men, called Mundilfari. He had two beautiful children, a handsome son called Moon, or Mani, and a radiant daughter called Sun, or Sol. The arrogance of these names caused offence in Asgard, and the gods took away this brother and sister and placed them in the heavens, forever destined to travel around the sky. Sol was compelled to drive the horses that pulled the chariot of the real sun, which the sons of Bor had created from the embers of Muspelheim. The horses were called Arvak and Alstin. In order to keep them cool while they pulled their flaming cargo, Odin placed two bellows under their shoulders. Manny, likewise, drove the real moon and controlled its phases, its waxing and waning. Manny was followed by two children, Bill and Yuki. The sun moved quickly around the sky because Sol's chariot was followed by a predator. A giant wolf called Skull pursued her as she pulled her glowing payload. Eventually, so the prophecy went, the wolf would catch her. Another wolf, called Hatti Hrodvitnison, chased Manny and the moon. The wolves were the offspring of the troll women, called the Janvidir. They had many sons, all wolves, and the greatest of these was Managram. The prophecy said that he would eventually swallow the moon, splattering blood throughout the sky and the heavens, and blocking the brightness of the sun. Odin populated his homeworld with the Aesir. He put them in place to rule over the fates of the people. This assigning of roles was done at a place called Idaval. The male Aesir built a huge temple where they placed their seats. Twelve in all, plus one for the Allfather, Odin. The temple was called Gladsheim. A second hall, Fingolf, was built for the goddesses. The Aesir created tools and worked metal and stone and great quantities of gold. This age was called the Golden Age. Odin and the other Aesir built a bridge from the earth to the sky called Bifrost. It was made of three colours, and some called it a rainbow. The red of the bridge was a bright fire, there to prevent any giants crossing it and reaching Asgard. At the northern end of Asgard sat a giant called Hreisvelg, which means, rather wonderfully, corpse gulper. He had the form of an eagle, and when he flapped his mighty wings the air moved. This was the origin of the wind. Two other worlds were created. Alfheim was the land of the light elves, luminous beings more beautiful than the sun. Svartalfheim was the land of the dark elves, blacker than pitch. And then there were the places of the dead. Distinguished warriors were chosen by Odin to go to Valhalla, where they would wait until they could be of use to him in the final battle. The dead heroes were taken up to Valhalla by female spirits called Valkyries. Other fallen heroes would go instead to Folkvanger, ruled over by the goddess Freya. The rest of the dead ended up in Helheim, the place of the hidden. And so there were nine worlds, but they could not exist without something binding them together. That something was a mighty ash tree called Yggdrasil, known as the World Tree. Yggdrasil was the largest and most wonderful of trees. The branches spread themselves over all of the worlds, but the roots, three of them, were steadfastly planted in three different worlds very far apart. One of them was in Asgard with the Aesir. The second was deep in Jotunheim among the giants, 
and the third plunged into Niflheim. Under each route was a sacred spring. The route in Asgard ended above a spring called the Well of Erd, where the Aesir had their place of judgment. The route in Jotunheim covered the Well of Mimir, which hid wisdom and intelligence. Mimir himself guarded the well and drank its waters from a horn called Gjol. The drinking of the well's water gave Mimir huge wisdom, wisdom which he would share at a price, as Odin would find out. Under the third route was the spring Hvegelmir, from which the eleven rivers which froze in Gnungagap emanated. Gnawing at the root in Niflheim was a serpent called Nithog. All he wanted to do was make the cosmos descend into chaos, and so he gnawed, and he gnawed, and he gnawed. Many other serpents lived there with him, too many to count. A handsome hall stood next to the well of Erd. Three beautiful women lived there, who were known as the Norns. These Norns, along with many others, decided the destinies of men. As is the case with all destinies, the Norns seemed to decide on an unfair and uneven way. Some men achieved riches and health, Others received sickness and poverty. Some had a long life, others a very short one. The three main Norns who lived in the hall by the well of Erd were called Erd, which meant fate, Verdani, which meant becoming, and Skuld, which meant obligation. Every day the three Norns drew water from the spring and mixed it with the mud that lay beside it. They splashed the sacred mixture over the tree, which kept the branches and leaves healthy. Two swans also drank from the well. In the branches of Yggdrasil lived an eagle which had knowledge of many things. Between the eyes of the eagle sat a hawk called Vedafolnir. A squirrel called Ratatsok ran up and down the trunk of the tree, carrying gossip between the eagle and Nithog. One assumes there was quite a lot of gossip, given the tree held the cosmos together. Four deer, known as hearts, Dane, Dvalin, Dunair and Durathror, leapt around the branches of the tree. They ate its branches and leaves. The cooked fruit of Yggdrasil ensured safe childbirth. Dew from the world tree which fell to the ground was so sweet it was collected by bees and made into honey. It was called honeydew. And Yggdrasil would one day herald the end of the world as it was known. When the tree trembled and shook, it would announce the coming of Ragnarok, the doom and destruction of the gods. But that doom and destruction is a long way off. Next time, we will meet the main gods and goddesses. If you're enjoying this podcast and want to find out more, then go to www.mythandhistory2.podbean.com. If you want to give feedback or ask a question, then you can contact me by email mythandhistory at gmail.com or friend me on Facebook, Paul Vincent Myth and History. So... Have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you next time.